Well, good morning, North Point family. Oh man, it is so good to be with you here today. My name is Michael Bull. I'm the lead pastor here at North Point, and I do want to welcome those of you who are at our Edmonton campus, those who are at our Vagerville campus, and those who are joining us online in Chauvin, all around the world. We are just so glad to be able to be with you today, and I believe that God wants to speak to you if you will listen. We are in a series called Dangerous Prayers. Last week, Pastor Trevor kicked things off. I want to just continue in. Uh, to, to keep on going. With, with Pastor Trevor, he talked about that prayer, search me. Today, I want to talk about the prayer, break me. How many of you know that brakes hurt? Brakes hurt. Now, I'm not talking about the brakes on your car, although if those don't work, they can really hurt you, right? Now, a couple weeks ago, my brakes failed on my vehicle. My dad is a mechanic. It's wonderful. He was able to do my brakes, but it still hurt when I went to get the parts and I realized the price of parts have gone through the ceiling. It hurt me deeply, but I'm not talking about your car's brakes. Really, what I'm talking about is a break in a relationship, a break in a marriage, a break in some sort of close relationship that you might have. And we know that when you have a break of that kind of relationship, it hurts deeply, that you're actually sick to your stomach. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Any, anyone? Yeah. When I was in kindergarten, I broke my arm. I was in a metal yard with my grandpa. I was running around and uh, I tripped over a piece of metal. My arm hit on, on a, a pile of metal and man, I started crying and, and he was like, you know, toughen up, you know, kind of thing, threw me in the truck. We went back home. Two days later, my mom's like, man, this kid is still whining about this, this arm that is sore and uh, we got it x-rayed and it was broken. And uh, then I could be mended. Thanks, mom. Thanks dad. Love you all. Thanks, grandpa. Uh, but you know, uh, there's something about a broken heart, isn't there? Man, a broken bone hurts, but a broken heart, it just seems to linger. You're sick to your stomach. You're, you're wondering, is there any hope? I've, I've talked to so many people, even in the last month, where they're going through these kind of deep waters, and it's very, very difficult. Well, today I want to talk about praying the kind of prayers that maybe most of you will never dare to pray. You know, there's something known as the Pareto Principle where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Some of you go, yeah, I know what that's like at work, right? That Pareto Principle. And, and I think that my guess is that 80% of you won't ever pray this prayer that I'm going to talk about today. But for the 20% of you that do actually take it to heart and you do begin to pray this prayer, I believe that it is going to make an 80% difference in your life. I believe it's going to transform some things in your life. If you will take it to heart, it's going to not only change you, it's going to change people around you. So today I want to talk about two prayers. First of all, break me, Lord, and then break my heart for what breaks yours. Now, I don't think that this is going to be the kind of sermon that gets a lot of amens and gets a lot of shares, but I do believe that it can get a lot of traction if you will put it into your life. Now, let's just be really clear. Most of our prayers, most of the prayers that we pray are pretty weak, pretty wimpy, pretty anemic. You know what I'm talking about. Dear Lord, bless me today. Lord, keep me safe today. Lord, I pray everything would be nice today. 
Lord Jesus, would you bless this food? As you're about to eat, you know, a Big Mac, a poutine, and an extra large chocolate shake. Friends, God cannot bless that. I don't care how hard you pray. He cannot bless that. But it's just, we, we pray these safe. We pray these simple. We pray these anemic prayers. And friends, here's what I want to ask you. If God answered every one of your prayers for the last week, would anything change for the better in your life or in the world around you? I mean, that actually, that actually hurts, doesn't it? Where you realize, man, maybe nothing would actually change for the good if I did an audit of my prayers and if God actually came through with every single one of those prayers. It seems to me that the people that I admire most, the people that I want to be like the very most, they're the kind of people that have been broken by Jesus and broken for Jesus. The ones that I really aspire to be like, they have been broken by Jesus and for Jesus. They have been broken of their sinful patterns of of pride and selfishness and lust and arrogance. They they have been broken of of some of those habits that that have clung on to their lives. They have been broken of their independence from God. And now they find themselves dependent on God, wanting to follow after God. You know, there are two stories in the book of Mark that I want to highlight this morning that really talk about brokenness. The first one is found in Mark chapter 14, verse 3. And it says this, that while he, that is Jesus, was in Bethany, reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, some of you who are real keeners, you're like, hold it, hold it, pastor. You preached this a couple months back. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, I know you're just lying right now. That's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that as, as things go on. But I did preach about this a couple months back. But what I want to tell you today is that we can look at the Bible from different facets. One of the cool things about God's word is that every time we are actually reading it and we're opening to, to ourselves up to God, he can teach us. He can do something beautiful in and through that word. And so when I think about this word of this, this woman coming before Jesus, we see that she is a prostitute. She's hated by most women. She's avoided by most men. And then by the other men, she is used and abused. And here she encounters Jesus and his ministry. She, she hears his teaching and she sees that he is someone different. He doesn't want to avoid her. He doesn't want to use her. He wants to give her dignity, respect, and honor. You know, I'm the kind of person that doesn't feel dressed without cologne. I just, man, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's like, it's like even on a day off, I just, I just don't feel dressed. You know, I put on the pit stick, but it's always like, you know, a spray of cologne. Melissa just kind of rolls her eyes. She's like, what's the point? You know, I'm like, I don't know. I just, I like to smell good. Well, listen, back in, in this time, back in the time that this woman is, is living, people didn't wear cologne or perfume. In fact, the people that wore perfume, they wore it as a calling card. Basically, if you were wearing perfume and you walked through the city center and and people are going, ooh, that smells good. Basically, what they're doing is they're putting out the scent. It's just like, I am available for business. That's what's happening here. 
By wearing this perfume, she is saying, I am open for business. I am available for hire. And here she is. She comes into this room where Jesus is with this expensive bottle of perfume worth one year's wages. And she breaks open that jar and she pours out this perfume on Jesus' head. And what some people thought was a waste was actually gain for her. You see, her extravagant gift to Jesus representing, represented her leaving behind her past. She was basically leaving behind her past, leaving behind that sinful life. And this gift also represented her future. She was giving up her identity as a prostitute. She was basically shutting down the website. She was getting rid of her business cards. She was like, I am not going to live that way anymore. Yes, this perfume might be worthy of, of a year's wages, but I am getting rid of it. I am breaking it. I am pouring it out. I'm getting rid of my past and I'm closing all the doors in the future towards this. Instead, I'm going to live different. Even if it meant giving up this treasure and her wages. And so there she is, she gets down before Jesus, kneels before him, and she's weeping before the Lord. She is broken before the Lord, and she pours out this perfume. Not only is she, is she broken, she is pouring out herself before Jesus, broken and poured out. Now there's something I've never seen before, because in Mark chapter 14, where we're told this story of this woman breaking and pouring out this perfume, there's another breaking and pouring out that happens in Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. It's when Jesus celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples. And, and Luke summarizes this very well in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. It says this, and he took bread, that is Jesus, and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Now we do this in remembrance of Jesus every month. We take the bread and we take the cup. We have a little wafer and we have juice and, and we remember the Lord's death and all that he did for us. And we do that on a monthly basis. But friends, I think when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, he was talking so much more than us just taking a wafer and drinking some juice. I think what he is saying is he's saying, I want you to live broken, just like I broke the bread for you, just like I broke myself for you. I want you to live broken, just like I poured out my blood for you. I want you to live broken, and I want you to live poured out every single day of your life. I want you to be totally dependent on me and willing to do my will in your life. I remember in 2018, not long before I took over as lead pastor here, friends, I was at the very lowest part of my life. I had never felt so low in my whole life. I, I felt absolutely broken. I felt useless. I felt worthless. I felt put on the shelf. I wasn't sure if God could ever use me ever use me to affect any good or positive change for anyone. I wasn't even sure if I was worthy to be in ministry. And there I remember being at this pastoral conference 
with hundreds and hundreds of other pastors. And here I am sitting in a session and the speaker is speaking and I'm, and I'm feeling at my lowest and all of a sudden, God begins to break me. He begins to break me and he begins to share his heart for me and I wept and I wept. You know it's bad when you're amongst your peers and they all just start getting up in that section even while the preaching's going on and they're putting their hands on me and beginning to pray for me. And friends, as I wept and I wept and God was breaking me in half, I didn't care one bit. I didn't care that people saw me. You see, too often we hide our brokenness, but, but when you are broken by God, you can't hide it and you don't even want to hide it because you know there's something beautiful going on. Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, we impress people with our strengths and connect with them in our weakness. Friends, I, I realized that God wanted to break me. He wanted to break me so that I could connect with people in their weakness. He was preparing me you see, when you pray, break me, you better get on your seatbelt because you're going to be in for a ride. Because <laughs> God will answer that prayer and he'll break you of your pride. He'll break you of the love of things of this world. He'll break you of your selfishness because all of these things keep us from being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, friends. Part of the reason that we aren't the fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ that we ought to be is because we aren't broken, because we still hold on to so much pride and selfishness. And God wants to break us of those things. And when God begins to break us, then we begin to become more like him. And I want you to know, your best ministry is gonna flow out of your brokenness. Man, the biggest impact that you'll ever make is not necessarily in your strengths. It's going to come out of your weakness that will become your greatest strength. Those weaknesses that you once wanted to hide, all of a sudden, if you will expose those to Jesus Christ, you'll allow him to break you. It's going to be in those weakness that you will see that Christ is strong and he does beautiful things in and through you. Oh, don't be afraid of the breaking of the Lord. You see, one of the beautiful things about God when he breaks us, we know that if you have a broken bone, that, that often where that break happens, it fuses even stronger than it was before. And I want you to know that God doesn't break us so that, so that he can kick us to the side. No, he breaks us so that he can mend us. Many of us, we, we, we're out of alignment and he breaks us so that he can set us straight that he can strengthen us. Don't be afraid of the hands of the Lord. So that first prayer is break me. And the second prayer is break my heart for what breaks yours. Once again, I don't think most of us will ever dare to pray that prayer because most of us, we only pray, pray uh, prayers of, of comfort and therapy. Help me to feel good. Help everything to go awesome. Help things to go smooth. That's what we want. Rarely do we ever pray the kind of prayer that says, God, would you actually break my heart? Because most of us, we want to feel better. We don't want to feel burdened. And that's just human nature. I get it. I'm there. Most of us, we don't want to feel burdened. But, but friends, if we will pray that prayer, I want you to know that God can and will do something so very beautiful. When you pray that prayer, God, break my heart for what breaks yours you might experience some discomfort. 
You might experience some sleepless nights. You might experience just that, that feeling within you where, where when you see injustice and unrighteousness that, that something boils within you and you're like, something needs to be done. Not only will you be a social justice warrior, you know, anyone can go on their keyboard and say whatever they want about politics, say whatever they want about, about social issues. We've got a lot of people like that. Social justice warriors. They can make a post on Facebook or Instagram. And friends, that is the easiest thing in the world to do. To say that's low-hanging fruit doesn't even begin to describe it. That is so easy. It's another thing to actually do something about it. It's another thing to actually follow up with your actions. Not only at 2 o'clock in the morning when you're fired up, but 2 o'clock in the afternoon the next day that you'll actually do something about it. And this may take time. You start to pray, God, break my heart. It might take time, but God starts to stir something within you. And often God will stir us before he sends us to do something. In the Old Testament, we come across a man named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet, and he's known as the weeping prophet. I'm not going to lie. I, I hope that's never my name, the weeping prophet. It just doesn't sound tough, does it? It just doesn't. It's just like, hey man, like, like what's your handle? Weeping prophet. It just doesn't, doesn't have that ring, does it? But he is the weeping prophet because God got a hold of his heart. God broke his heart. You see, Jeremiah saw the injustice that was being done by God's people, people who should have known better. They, they, were, they were being unjust to widows and to orphans, to strangers and aliens that were in their field of of you. And even at that point, they were sacrificing their children to some of the local gods. It was terrible what was going on. And Jeremiah, he cries out in Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. You, God, who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not, no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we're not saved. And he says, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. I mean, friends, this, this is what it is to be moved by what moves God. And this leads Jeremiah to actually do something. He begins to prophesy against the people. He says to the people, listen, destruction is coming. The judgment of God is coming. If you don't turn, please turn towards God. Please do that. And the people stopped up their ears. And they didn't want to hear what, what Jeremiah had to say. In fact, at one point, he's kidnapped and he's taken down to Egypt by some of the Israelites. They're like, we want you out of our country. Stop talking. But all of those things that he prophesied, they actually came true in his lifetime. Friends, I want you to know that the closer I am to God, the more injustice and sin bothers me. The closer I am to God, the more that, that my heart is broken by the brokenness of the world around us. But I know that I'm getting far from God when, when all of a sudden I can watch the news and I can see the brokenness that's going on and I'm just like, eh whatever. Not a big deal. That's when I know that something's cooled off. That's when I know I'm not close to the heart of God because the heart of God breaks for what is breaking in our world. And yet, 
I want you to know that the greatest blessings come out of those greatest burdens. You see, it's, it's when you have a genuine burden from God that there can actually be the blessing of God. And here are some examples. We remember Moses and the Egyptian slave master. So here is Moses, a Hebrew boy who is raised in Pharaoh's household in Egypt. And he's lived a life of, of privilege while his people were being oppressed. Then one day, one day he sees some other Hebrews being oppressed. And I don't know if this had been cooking in his mind for a long time. I don't know if he had been seeing this for a long time and and finally it boils over, but we read this in Exodus chapter two, verses 11 and 12. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You see, something stirred up within him. Now, I think he made the wrong move there. You see, many of us, what we do is we jump the gun. God will give us a burden for something. And I don't think Moses was ever meant to kill that Egyptian right there. Because what it did is it, is it, is it really, it sent him on quite a journey. Now, God is good and God is merciful and God can work things out. But friends, the, the, the bottom line that I want to share today is that something stirred in Moses' heart. And eventually... Many years later, he is standing before Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Something stirred in his heart. Then we see young David as he comes before Goliath. At this point, this is before David becomes king. In fact, he's the lowest on the the ladder in his family. He's taking care of his father's herds and flocks. Some of his brothers are out and they're fighting against the Philistines. And his, and his dad says after a prolonged time, he says, I want you to go out and bring some bread and, and some cheese. Bring some bread to your brothers, some cheese to the, the commanders over your brothers. And, and then just tell me how things are going. And so David goes out and, and as he comes to the place where the Israelites are encamped, all of a sudden Goliath comes out with the Philistine army and Goliath starts to trash talk. The Israelites, he starts to trash talk their king and he starts to trash talk their God, Yahweh. And man, David is like, who is this bozo? They're like, he is a really tall and a really strong bozo is what he is. And it tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 and then 36. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. You see, something stirs within David. He doesn't like the idea that Goliath is trash-talking Israel, that Goliath is trash-talking God. And he's like, something must be done. And this stirring leads him to do something that no one else was willing to do. And that is to stand before Goliath. No one else wanted to do it. And he's like, then I'll go. I'll go. Then finally, we have Nehemiah and the broken walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is the cupbearer of Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And many of the exiles were going back and they were making their their way back to Jerusalem. They were making their way back to Israel. 
And Nehemiah hears back what things are like. He's like, I want to know what, what, what's it like in Israel? What's happening in Israel right now? What's the condition right now? And he receives this report in Nehemiah chapter one, verses three and four. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have burned with fire. When I heard these things, says Nehemiah, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see what happens for Nehemiah? He hears about the brokenness of his hometown, his home city. And he is broken and he weeps and he begins to pray. You see, there is a stirring that God begins to do in Nehemiah's life. There is a stirring. He's like, something must be done. And he starts, man, he's got the tears, but he goes one greater. Then he starts to pray before the Lord. And then when he, he feels like there is something he can do, he actually does it. And he comes before King Artaxerxes. And just so you know, if you had come before a king and you weren't all smiles, you could be killed because what you were saying is, King, you're not enough for me. You're not enough for me. You can't make me happy. And yet he is downcast and Artaxerxes goes, what is going on with you, Nehemiah? And he gulps and he says, Lord God, help me. I'm about to go for it. And he says, things are not good in Jerusalem. The city is, is absolutely being torn apart and the walls of the city are broken down. Would you please, please send me? So that, I can, so that I can repair those walls. And he does. Amazingly, he does. And he even gives him the building materials that are required for this job. I wanna ask you, what stirs you? What stirs you today, North Point? What moves you? What bothers you? You know, I think many times, when we are stirred or we are bothered by something, our first and initial reaction is this. We go, someone needs to do something about that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Man, someone needs to take care of that. Maybe you come to church and you notice that there's something that's not being done and you go, someone needs to do something. Man, that pastor isn't doing enough. That pastor, Michael, isn't doing enough. Someone must do something. Friends, maybe that someone is you. You see something going on in, in our city. You see something going on in your town. You see something going on at your workplace. Someone needs to do something about this. Maybe, just maybe, that someone is you. Maybe God is breaking your heart and stirring your heart because he wants you to do something for you to make a difference. Before I came on to speak, you saw that video for Operation Christmas Child. And you saw how so many of those boxes were being handed out to children and the reaction of those children. You know, Operation Christmas Child, it started in 1993. There was a civil war in, in Bosnia and, and a man who lived in England, he reached out to Franklin Graham and he said, man, I've seen what's going on in Bosnia and I think that the kids there, they just need to pick me up. And I'm wondering if there's any way that somehow through your organization, that you can send gifts to those kids in Bosnia. And, and so Franklin Graham said, sure, I'll do that. But it was in the middle of summer and he promptly forgot about it. That will sometimes happen in leadership, just so you know. He promptly forgot about it. He was doing other things. And then at, at Thanksgiving, this gentleman blasted him an email and he said, yeah, I was just wondering how those gifts are coming along. And he's like, uh-oh, now I'm in big trouble. And so, 
So he, he got one of his good friends, Pastor Ross Rhodes from Charlotte, North Carolina, to, to tell his congregation about this need for gifts for kids in Bosnia. And, and the pastor did a magnificent job. He, he came up with a shoebox and he came up with a whole bunch of, of items and he said, this is how you can pack your shoebox. And when you pack your shoebox, it's gonna make a difference for some kids in Bosnia. And he started to get a passion for this. And as he got passionate about this, then so did Franklin Graham. And friends, that one church that year packed 11,000 boxes. One church, 11,000 boxes. And what's crazy is a bunch of churches got together in Canada and packed 17,000 boxes, 28,000 boxes went that first year. And God did something so amazing through that that every single year since then, it's been going strong. And right now, so far, 208 million kids have received one of these boxes. These are lives changed one at a time. I want you to know I want my life to count for Jesus Christ. I might have 80 years on this earth, maybe less, maybe more, but I want my life to count. And I would rather that God break my heart and break my heart for what breaks him than for me to live my whole life doing my own thing so separate from God. Friends, I want to be close to Jesus Christ. I want to know his heart. I want to be a change maker. I want to be the kind of person that says, man, if we're going to gather together on a Sunday, friends, let's not waste our time. Let's do something that brings real hope, new life, and lasting purpose. Let's go for it. And so today when I talk about praying a dangerous prayer, God break my heart, I'm telling you it is dangerous, but it is so good. Because when God breaks you and he breaks your heart, friends, I'm here to tell you that's where the real change comes. That's when you realize that, man, it's in my brokenness that he is strong. And so I want to encourage you that you would begin to pray this kind of dangerous prayer. Let's go beyond those prayers of God, keep me safe. Help me to have a nice day. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. He's like, I am blessing you, but I want you to be a blessing to others. And that can only start with that first step of saying, God, break me. Today, as a response, I'm gonna ask for two things. First of all, I know full well that either joining us online, Vegreville or here in Edmonton, there are some that have never, ever become a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, that first break, I think, is actually the hardest break. And to become a follower of Jesus is very simple. We, we simply have to say, Lord Jesus, I want your way, not mine. But friends, it, it sounds so simple and it, and, and it looks so good on paper, but that's a really big break. Have you ever noticed that? Because that's a break that says, I'm in control of my whole destiny. I'm in control of all things. I don't need anyone else. I can do it on my own to actually saying, Jesus, I need you. And friends, God wants to break you of that independence so that you are dependent on him and his strength. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. And he wants to give you his power rather than your weak and anemic power. But first of all, you have to, you have to break and say, God, I want your way. And today I believe that there are some of you here that say, I, I want to go God's way. And then the second thing 
I wanna say is there are many of you who are followers of Jesus. You have chosen to follow Jesus, but somewhere along the way, you've just grown far from Jesus and you've prayed safe prayers. And, and really, you've just become weak and anemic in your prayers. And nothing really bothers you anymore. And then you would never take action even if something did bother you. You'd just get angrier and angrier and angrier. And I'm here to tell you today that God wants to break your heart for what breaks his so that it can actually be used for his good, for his glory. So today, would you just bow your heads with me right now? Today, if you would say, I want just to take that first step, that first break, to say, Lord, I, I want your will, will and your way, not mine. And if that's you, would you just raise a hand? Whether you're here or online, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And then for those of you who would say, man, I just need to be so heartbroken for what breaks the heart of Jesus today, Lord. I, I do want that. I actually want to pray that prayer. Would you just raise a hand right now? Only if you need it. Yeah. So Lord, right now, for people here in Edmonton, in Beggarville and online, I say, Lord Jesus, break us. Break us because we can trust you. you. You never break us so that we are kicked to the curb. You break us, Lord, because you want to heal us. You break us because you want to mend us. You break us because you want to make us stronger. That's your beautiful breaking. And Lord, I just pray that you would break our heart for what breaks yours. And Lord, that it would actually lead to doing something of value, something that goes so far beyond us. I pray these things in your name. Amen.